the retirement plan into a business plan is a very simplified way of saying, look at the future that you want and pull it into now so that your values, your attitude, your mission, your why, and the contribution that you make to the people around you isn't a distant and fading facade of who you want to be. It is a now, it is clear, it is crisp, and it is present. And without that, what are you doing, right? What are you living for if not that? You and I have spent our entire lives dedicated to helping others evolve and shift. And Mm -hmm. we've got an event, it's happening in July, July 8th to the 11th, that there are few people that need to know that we're doing that. It's, it's, you met, we, we were having this conversation earlier, right? Like when you, when you make shifts, you either chisel away at this block or you dynamite it. Is that what you said? Mm-hmm. And that mission is block, well worth sharing. The block is the, is the, is the, like the rock or the, like the diamond or the granite or wherever you will see the hard defensive piece yep. around the soft little sensitive center that you've been protecting your whole life well said and you either you have to get to it to get through it and out of it but you either can chip at it with a little rock hammer over many years or you can come to an event like our front runner weekend involvement uh retreat and we will dynamite blast that shit open hey everybody welcome back to the men on purpose podcast i'm your host ian lobos Alongside my buddy AV, that sounds like a football game or like a baseball game. Alongside me. <laughs> anyway, we're delusional tonight because we've been recording all day, but we figured, you know what, let's get a podcast in. We're recording live in the group right now and uh, in the Men on Purpose Facebook community. And this is one of the the uh, front runner episodes that we've been, we were doing them for a while in the beginning, and then we kind of just lost traction because we got really busy. And so here we go. We're bringing them back. So this one is all about something that Aaron said actually earlier tonight, which was making your retirement plan or, or a retirement plan becomes a business plan, right? So, so we're going to break that down. We're going to get deep into that. It sounds interesting. I thought it sounded super cool. So why not break that down? What do we mean by that? What is that even like, is that a thing? Is that a concept or is it reality? Is it a reality a bowl? Yeah. Great. <laughs> is it realityable? This is going to be a great podcast because both of us are, are like pure passion, yeah. but we're pure fatigue equally. And um, I just want to put out into the universe that Ian said that he would put that on a t-shirt. Yeah, uh, I, I will. So I, I need, I need to, I need to make sure that you all know that there will eventually be a t-shirt that I'll wear that says this, make, I made my retirement plan, my business plan. That's true. Um, may, maybe I can start with this story because I, well, I here think on, the story is housekeeping. About, Oh, yeah. this, this housekeeping. Number one, make sure that if you haven't subscribed to the Mental Purpose podcast yet, go to iTunes or your favorite place where you listen, Spotify, Stitcher, whatever. Hit that subscribe button. And if you would be so kind, you love the stuff that we're doing, then leave us a review, a five-star review, and, uh, and do your thing with it. Share it out to your family and friends. If you find somebody that could... Um, that could use the advice, like my buddy Emerson, who, who always watches and he loves the cool content that we put out. Um, and you think that one of your friends could use it, it's free. Just hit the share icon and share it out to them. Say, hey, man, I thought you might be able to get something from this. They're going to love you for it and they're going to appreciate you for it. And it will elevate your relationship. So remember, the mission that we have here is to elevate, educate, empower, enrich, and evolve. We are now doing that not only on here with this content, but we're doing that in the Men on Purpose Facebook community. So the Men on Purpose community, go on to Facebook, 
hit search, the mental purpose community, not to be confused with the mental purpose podcast community, which is just for the podcast. This one is an ecosystem of all things purpose, all things purposeful and development and growth and, and the five E's, right? Evolve or uh, uh, elevate, educate, empower, enrich, and evolve. So join the mental purpose community. It is free and it's got a ton of stuff. We just uh, just started a book club. Dr. Anthony Balducci, who's on here all the time, he's going to be doing health and fitness. We're going to have a five and seven day challenge, maybe even longer. Um, and there's all kinds of cool stuff in there. Like there's some amazing people. I mean, by the time we were recording this, which is like the middle of June, we already have 70 members. We're going to be at hundred members pretty soon. And then before you know it, a thousand members. So do that. If you need help with anything coaching wise with Aaron and I, you can go to the website, ianlobos.com. And if you want to join one of our just absolutely freaking mind blowing live events, or, you know, we call them personal involvement retreats, like weekend live events, um, go to frontrunner.group and you can find those there. Now that's it. Let's get rolling. Play your story. Boom. Also, I feel like this is a great time to just add on to that. Like if you're going to hit the like button, smash that like button. That's like, that's like, that's what, else that's what everybody's smash the like button. Anyway. Smash the like button. All right. So this story begins with an unsatisfied corporate employee. I was, I was pretty miserable, man. I was like, I had, I had changed careers, not really changed careers. I had evolved in my career a couple of times and, and had thought that that it was the boss. I thought it was that, you know, I had bad leadership. So I changed and I thought that I was stuck and I wasn't really stuck. I, I was simply misplaced. And um, I got to a boss who gave me complete freedom. It was, it was incredible. He, he like nurtured the entrepreneur in me, but I was really unhappy. And I remember one night leaving um, my apartment, I had just spent about an hour searching for car insurance online, going through that whole mm -hmm. experience that's never fun. But you're like, oh, I can save twelve dollars. <laughs> I'm winning. You like, definitely sixty bucks for that. I know. Yeah, I, totally. I didn't think about that then, but I'm really unhappy. I'm unsatisfied, and I'm learning at that point that I'm unsatisfied. The awareness of of my dissatisfaction was growing, and I realized that even having a, a nurturing career-minded boss who would who would let me grow and expand in whatever way I wanted and truly become the person that I could, I was still unhappy. And I leave the apartment, I get in my car, I had this awesome, uh, it was the first year Hyundai Genesis group. Oh, yeah. uh, light blue, it was a lot of fun. And I get in the car and both windows are down, it was a coupe, so I only had two windows, but the windows are down and I'm riding down a, a one-way road that has two lanes and I'm going, you know, light after light, after light, after light. And I start driving, I'm maybe going 30, 35 miles an hour. And the hair on the back of my neck stands up. And before I could register what had happened, a car like the size of a boat had hit me on the driver's side door. Damn. The car flipped, uh, didn't flip. It swung into a pole on the opposite corner of the road. The passenger side door had crumpled around the post and I had this ringing in my ear that wouldn't stop. And this 
really long pause came over me after this this moment that felt like a lifetime and i i like padded all of my limbs down to make sure and i stepped out of the car and was like i can't fucking believe i'm okay <laughs> and i looked back at the car and i had this weird understanding at the time like the adrenaline hadn't hit or i was i was still breathing i was still conscious and, and awake but i recognized that i would never see that car again hmm. And I go up to the, the driver of the other car and it's him and his girlfriend, young, young kid, young couple, make sure they're okay. And I, I just, I'm kind of in this moment, the neighbors like from, I'm in, I'm in like a small, you know, sort of area in Baltimore. So the whole neighborhood came out. This thing probably sounded like an alien spacecraft. <laughs> and over the next couple of days, my, my like jovial kind of lighthearted approach to this accident and, and leaving and being like, I'm okay started to really descend. I, I like was so hurt the next day. And, and I went to the doctor physically. physically yeah. I was, yeah, I was, I was fucking hurt and it, it, nothing broke. Right. I was very relaxed and it's probably a good thing that the windows were down because yeah. I would have been sliced up, but the, over the next couple of months, like I couldn't run and I was, I like, I couldn't walk. I was crying. The girl I've seen at the time was like trying to nurture me through like the, the tears and the breaking. And I finally healed, it took a long time and I, I, I could run again, I get happy, I'm doing all this stuff. And, and not, not many months later, I am climbing. I'm, uh, I'm not drunk, but I've been out having a good time on Halloween. And I take this picture at this monument in downtown Baltimore that's probably 45 feet up in the air. I'm in a Spider-Man costume <laughs> and it's raining and I fall. And I fall from this, like this, the top of this monument trying to get back up. And I fall and I just want to paint this picture. I'm, I'm on this monument to take a picture, the most jackass move ever. And it's raining and I know it's raining and I'm conscious and I'm aware again of something about to happen. I remember the hairs on the back of my neck standing up again. And as I go to pull myself up, I can tell something's wrong. Like my, my grip strength just couldn't withstand this pull. And my first hand, my left hand slips off and like with all the force of my body, I'm holding on to this. It's like a dragon sculpture. I don't even think it's there anymore with my right hand. And in that moment, I know I'm going to fall. Yeah. I know I'm done. 40 feet's a lot, dude. It's a lot. And it's stone underneath. Yeah. So I had this, this weird moment of like, I'm back in the same, I'm back in the same place. <laughs> I'm, I'm not in control of this moment. Damn. Right? I'm not in control. It's scary. So I fall, I hit the floor and I, I've never been so relaxed in fall. I was just, it was really weird to be that relaxed. And I, I fell and I hit the floor and I remember being in so much fucking pain and simultaneously having the same exact experience being like, I'm okay. Yeah. I can feel my legs. I can feel my neck. Yeah. I can feel my fingertips. You can shatter the pelvis. I'm in pain, but like, yeah. yeah. So I stand up and I kind of like limp away. <laughs> you on your feet? I landed flat on my back. Oh, like no fucking flat. Yeah. And I'm surprised it didn't knock the wind out of you. I'm, I'm sure it did. But but I remember in the distance, I mean, I'm, I'm wearing a Spider-Man costume. So I remember in the distance, someone being like, oh no, Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> That's, That's what I remember most. He's lost his shit. <laughs> no, use your webbing. So I fall and I get up and, you know, I, I banged up my head. I definitely like, you know, scraped it up. I scraped up my hip. I scraped up my arm and I get up 
and go home. My buddy and I, we're going to walk home. We catch an Uber and we go home. And over the next several weeks, I realized that I've broken. The only bone that I broke was, uh, I think it's called the scapula. It's the bone like at the, it's not the scapula. It's, it's this bone between the bottom of your thumb and the middle of your wrist. Yeah. And it didn't even clean break. It just fractured. It, it, it doesn't Weird. make any sense. Yeah. So I showed the doctors. Telling you something. It yeah. was amazing. I showed the doctors a picture and they're like, there is no way that this is all you broke. And there's no way you, did, you fell from there. And I'm like, look, I'm not telling you a story. Like, right. I'm admitting how idiotic this, yeah. this was. <laughs> and the fact that this happened twice where I got up and was like, I, I can't believe I'm okay. Asked or forced me to ask a really deep question. And this is the purpose of the story. I had, I had spent the entirety of my, my working career. I wasn't old. I'm, I'm still young. And I will hope to always have that perspective that I'm young. I was maybe 27 years old. But at this point, I had, had been very miserable in my career. I remember standing, sitting in a window, contemplating jumping out of a window because of my situation at work um, during my first experience with a, a bad leader. And then this, this experience woke me up to like, I don't think I'm actually going to make it yeah. if I keep down this path. <laughs> Why do you think you were doing that? I mean, granted, the accident was was uh, was not on you, but the Spider-Man thing was on you. Were you just like trying to push the edge because you needed that high of a dopamine hit or what? I probably, yeah, I probably needed the rush, but I think I also was in a state of, of like disbelief at how bad it was, yeah. right? I wasn't willing to really face the fact that that I was unhappy. And so I was doing anything I could to like feel. Yeah positive and if that even if that positive stimulus was pain right in this case but how many people do that and, and like do, do you yeah, man. how do you know that how do you know that the the negative feeling isn't like well dude everybody goes through this it's normal know. you know, know like how do you know how to break out of that I'm, I'm saying like in general and worldwide like how do you know how to break out of that or that you're even that there's something wrong yeah because like when i was working for my dad I loved working for my dad, but I hated working, doing what I was doing, except for the warehouse, the forklift, driving trucks, things like that, the, the creative stuff. And there's nothing I hated about it. It's just something was like heavy resistance all the time. Yeah. But I felt like, well, that's what you do. And my dad would always say like, yeah, of course, man, I don't love this thing every day, but that, that's, that's, you take the good and the bad. Yeah. And I thought that was normal. Like, but it started to become week after week after week. It never dissipated. I always had to buy another thing or go to another cool city or, or like take another, get another client, steal, hijack clients from uh, other, like my dad's competitors. Yeah. It made me feel better. Well, getting a regular client wasn't important anymore. It didn't do anything yeah, for like me. Winning. I had to go like stalk people, yeah. figure out, like sneak around with binoculars on on, on docks and figure out the, the manifest on a box and like <laughs> and make a call and like... Right. You're the James Bond. Of I was James Bond of yeah. warehousing. I mean, in, in some sense, the, the, the pattern that I had at the time was to use pain as fuel. And so there was a natural addiction to like, well, this is what is moving me forward. So I'm going to go get more of it. Yeah. And, and I don't think at the time, either of those events were, were a summoning of that same pattern. However, I went through those experiences and that process became even more ingrained because I looked at those experiences as I'm going to double down on this. I can leverage this. I'm going to get better from it. I'm going to heal. And thankfully that mindset served me very well through that. But what I learned at, in that moment and what many people around me had said was like, 
kid, you got a fucking reason for being here. Someone's mm-hmm. looking out for you. This big time. And you're running out of fucking lives. <laughs> and, <laughs> you're out of second chances. Yeah, and it, it, it forced me to ask a really big question. So here I am unhappy. I'm, I'm not sure of, of where I'm going to go, except that I can't go the same way I've been going. Many of you may have, may have heard or yeah. felt like this before. But then it brought up a very, a, a very monumental question and a question that I wrestled for months. And that was, what was I going for in the first place? Yeah. Like I actually had to stop and say. Like, like with the climbing the thing? No. Like, well, yes, definitely that. Yeah. But, but like here I am, I'm barreling through work. I'm like, I, I got in this accident. I went to work the next day. I didn't, I had just started the job you know, a couple months ago, I couldn't take off. I had no time. So here I am, I'm limping around, I'm in pain. And I'm like, I'm in this office, miserable because I'm in pain and I'm doing a job that's not satisfying. It's not purposeful. It's not feeding my soul. I'm just, I'm pain personified. It is all of it. Yeah. Just imprisonment. And I had to really think like, what, what am I doing this for, man? Like, what's the, what's the goal here? Like I do this for this year, this year, this year. So then the story, this plot thickens. It gets even crazier. Jeez. I go into the office one day. This is maybe eight months later. So I've had this experience and I go through like, you know, asking these questions. We got the comments. I need a charger too. Um, charger. What's up, buddy? Uh, that's a good question. Um, yeah. Where do I have a charger? So I have one there. It's not loose. I'm going to find one. Hang on. All right. When you get done, I'll go into that stuff and then you go find me charger. Okay. Yeah. Deal. I just don't want to lose that life. So I'm having this, like this, you know, really big questioning ceremony more or less over the course of months. And I'm like, you know, what, where is this taking me? I'm not sure where this is going. This isn't that long ago. Like the point is the not, point, the perspective to people. This is 2014. Yeah. It's not that long ago. <laughs> not this. So I think it was 20, I think it was later in 2014. I'm in the office. Our, like my boss's boss is coming to town. He comes in the office on a Thursday, Wednesday. And he's like, Hey, and does his rounds. He tells us about his family and what's going on. He checks in on us. And it was kind of a, a normal sure. business conversation. That's surface level. And I go home that day. I lived in the building cause I managed it. So I go in the elevator, go upstairs, come back downstairs the next day. And we're supposed to have a meeting at 9am and he's not there. So all of us are like, well, what's going on? You know, this guy, this guy is the guy that just, this guy's a machine. We right. would leave the office and he would just be on his laptop and laptop and laptop and laptop. <laughs> it was nuts. So about 1030 comes around and we see him sort of enter the building and walk in the office. And again, hair on the back of my neck. I look him in the eyes and only one of them is working. He had had a stroke and his whole face, half of his face was hanging off. It was, you could tell something was so fucking wrong. Yeah. And I look at him and just this panic of like, I don't know how to help. I don't know what to do. Something is very wrong. And he just looked back and was like, I'm okay. And he was in the office. Yeah. After having a stroke that morning. And it didn't, it didn't register that it was too powerful of an emotion to carry like in that moment. But I remember going back and I've, I've had these big you know, questions of like, what am I doing and where am I going? And then to see that that's where I could go. 
Yeah. That was the, that's what everybody wanted, right? You it's become up. this manager, then this manager, then this manager, and then you become that, and you become that, and you become that. Yep. And yep. all of a sudden, you have a stroke, you go to the hospital that's three blocks away, and you report to duty at 1030 sharp. And I was like, I was fucking crushed by this. I was Mind blown blind. away that, that like this could happen and that that was the example that we were setting. And this entire story is the, the like drier spin cycle that woke me up to like, there's more. Yeah. And at that point and, and some subsequent conversations and days and introspection later, I came to this conclusion that I was probably going to die very young. <laughs> and based on how you were going, probably. Yeah. And, and I mean, you know, you, you kind of never know your time. I lost a lot of friends really young. So I had that context. But I had this opinion and I was like, I, I had better use this time very differently. Sure. So I, I spent a lot of time imagining what my, my retirement plan would be like. And I decided that I could, I could retire early, right? Everybody's dream, retire early. And so I wrote down what my retirement plan would be. And my retirement plan was, was like many of us. It was like, I'm going to go volunteer with kids. I want to go teach kids everything I fucking know, everything I could possibly know. As a retirement plan for later on. Yeah, this this is where I want to go. This is yep, my retirement yep. plan. And then, you know, I'm going to travel and I'm going to see the world and I'm going to figure out how to learn another language and I'm going to go see another country. And I've never been out of the country except to like Costa Rica. So I hadn't like seen the world. I had right. just seen the jungle really. And then I'm going to... I'm going to, you know, find a relationship. I'm going to work on myself. I'm going to become the person I'm meant to become when I retire. And then it hit me at some point over probably too many whiskeys or margaritas <laughs> that I had actually created a phenomenal business plan. It's interesting. And that was the genesis of me making my retirement plan, my business plan. And that, that continues to be the business plan is to do the things beyond the like there that we all create. Yeah. So go find me a charger and I'll, I'll I'm, I'm going to extrapolate on that. Oh, I know that's a word. Extrapolate. I know that's a word. Realitable. <laughs> reality <-able>. Realityable. <laughs> oh, um, I, I, I've never heard that full story. That's pretty cool, man. I like that. So what Aaron is, is talking about is like, I think we've all been there. Those of us that have um, been chasing a, a dream of, rise in an organization or a building a business or you know we're uh mid 30s and not you know with anybody or we're mid 40s and we don't have kids and we're not married like it's it's work it's money it's it's family it's it's there's all these different pieces of you know the 21 year old that says when i'm 25 or 30 the 30 year old that says when i'm 40 or 45 the 45 year old that says when i'm 60 that's the thing is it's not, you're not living in the actual present moment. And too many of us, myself included, Aaron included, went to a place that was, when I do this, when I get this, when I get there, when I get that, then I'll be, right? So just map it out in your life. When I get this promotion, I'll be. When I find this person, I'll be when I make this amount of money, I'll have, or I'll take this chance, or I'll be able to do this. You know, how many pieces in your life are actually like that, where you, you say to yourself, you know, when I get successful, 
when I make my first million, when I get that job, when I find that girl or that guy, when I have my first kid, I'll still, you know, I remember tons of people when I was in college and then out of college who said, you know, we went back and the person's like five years later, you know, we're what, 26, 27 years old. The guy's still chain smoking cigarettes. And I'm like, well, I thought you were going to quit after college. No, nah, man, no, I'm going to quit when I get married. Can't get married the next year, still chain smoking cigarettes. I thought you are going to quit. No, no, no. When I, when I have a kid, well, guess what? The kid's 10 years old, they're still smoking. You know, like, same thing. We project forward this imaginary reality we're going to create when we get to a certain checkpoint or a certain place. But, you know, we were recording a video earlier and we said, there's no guarantee in life. You don't know when the last day is going to be. You don't know when you only have a year left or five years left. And you don't have that chance to go to 20 years down the road in a career. You actually have to live today. So this is a perfect topic because although it doesn't sound like you look at it and you go, make my retirement plan, my business plan. What does that mean? It means bring your future into your reality, in your present, you know, into yeah. your present moment. And the things that you say you're going to do when you get that money or when you make that million or when you get that girl or when you get that guy or when you have kids or when you retire, it means, okay, we'll formulate a plan to do it now. Yeah. And that's what we're talking about today. And I think the same thing is um, my boy, Matthew McConaughey, man, that book green lights. Listen, if you, if you want, like I'm going to release this next week. So uh, it's like the third week of June. If you haven't already joined the men on purpose podcast or the men on purpose community, join it because we have a book club and there's like probably 15 or 20 of us now that are reading Matthew McConaughey's book green lights together and then talking about it. And the coolest part is I'm going to tell you right now, it is one of my favorite personal development books on surrender and mm. failure and success. It is freaking mind blowing. We actually are the communities watching live while we record this, which is awesome. So, um, I just lost my thought Hold book on. club, green lights, Book club, green lights. Um, oh, president into the future. Yeah. So he he talks about a. Um, I lost it, man. That's okay. I'll yeah, pick it up. No, pick it up. So one of the interesting pieces of this, you know, is that we create such distance between the future goals and the present, and by creating distance, we then create apathy and we create all kind of dissociations. As an example, you could say, well, in the future, I want to create a foundation. And is it that you need millions of dollars to create a foundation? No, you do not need millions of dollars to create a foundation. You also don't need millions of dollars to go volunteer or to go teach or to go preach or to go build or to go create. But we put a lot of distance between those things. And what ends up happening as we do this, this is the first podcast where we've had this much movement. We're just getting up and getting around. This is great. I just want to make, I'm just checking the notes. <laughs> the what happens when we do that is we give ourselves a lot of excuses we we create reasons that we can't and what i've experienced and and somewhat related to the story that i share is that most of the things that we actually want are the simple things they're very very easy to do um, simple maybe not easy but simple if you want to build a foundation you know it, it may require you to invest a little bit of capital it may require you to find a, a friend that does legal work and formulate a 501c3 and maybe apply for grants and maybe self-fund for a little while. But it doesn't require you to like sell all your possessions and 
you know, live in a box on oh. the highway. Like it, it doesn't, it doesn't require <laughs> that. It simply requires initiative and then a little bit of maybe research and effort and energy. And in doing, by bringing the future to the present, you may find that the thing that drives you and makes you happy is here and now. And I can tell you from plenty of personal stories and anecdotes that I've, I've witnessed and been a part of and had a lot of privy to, a lot of people get there, they get to retire, and then they're like, what now? Yeah, I don't know. And the, that's actually a great question. What now is a great question. However, at that point, if you haven't already done the work to think about what would I, what would fulfill me? What would feed my soul? What would generate happiness and joy in my life that is beyond me now that my means are taken care of? Cause if you're retiring, you essentially have laid out a financial plan that, that keeps you satisfied. Most likely, financially. Most likely not. Right. It's fragile. Yeah. That's well, another conversation. Yeah. So that'll be another episode. That's another episode. If that is true, then you now can focus on others and, if you haven't done the work to think about that, if you've delayed, 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 your pattern is likely to also delay in that moment. And that's the real puzzle box to get through is if you consistently delay the thing that matters to you that you would do that, you know, if, if every, if you knew you were on your deathbed, if you knew you had the cash, if you knew that it was all going to end, that's what your life would be about. If you delay that and your pattern is to delay that, when you get to the end of that road of there, you're probably going to delay that then again. It's true. But like we talked about earlier, it, you are building habits over many years or many decades yep. that when you say like, yeah, I'm just going to hustle until retirement, which so many people do. I've said it. You know, just like I, I had a buddy that's like, I'm just going to work for the state for 30 years. I'll get my check at like 50 and I'll be able to just chill from 50 to whenever I die. And I'm like, yeah, but dude, you, you built a habit of crushing it and like grinding your butt off for 20 years. You can't yeah. just the, the day of retirement. You know, what happens is your identity as that guy gets stripped from you yep. probably unwillingly yep. and your habit in your brain stays the same. And you become disconnected and misaligned. Yep. And so you wander around and you probably buy a, a house or something at the beach or at the lake, or you buy a bass boat or you buy a new truck and then you get an RV and you like, but you're still chasing something to get something. Yep. And so it's the habits that have to be built now. They have to be built now or you'll never have exactly what you want to have because you'll never be exactly who you want to be in that place and time when you want to be it or have it. Well, what, first of all, I, I have zero affinity for like get to 50 and chill the rest of my life. No. What does that even mean? And, and second, what a polarized swing, right? So you just go from like, I'm going to grind and grind and grind to like, I'm going to do nothing and chill on the beach and drink a margarita. Like you're, you're still dodging the biggest question, right? Yeah. The, the question is why are you here? Yeah. What are you doing? What are you doing to support other? Like, if you haven't at some point questioned sure. that, then that is the most pressing question we all have. Why? But you know what, dude? We're not talking about, like, for me and my um, trauma, it was, well, I'm here to support my family. We're not actually talking about that. Supporting your family is an obligation that you signed up for. Yeah. We're talking about the voluntary. 
Yeah. Like if you have kids, it is your job. Like I used to watch Maury Povich and Jerry Springer with my dad okay. every day in our office. It was playing all throughout the office on different TV. Quality TV. My dad loved Jerry Springer. He still <laughs> loves Jerry Springer. Uh, check in to see who that is. Say hey to that Oh. Bottom. Yeah, that's Marty. All the way to the bottom? All the way to the bottom. Marty again? Yeah. Cool. Hey, Marty. Um, I love his comments. So uh, uh, on there, I was always shocked when people were like, like when Maury would say, it's your baby. And they, and then the guy would say, I'm going to take care of my kid. I'm doing it. I'm, I'm going to do it. And you're like, well, no shit. You're going to do it. <laughs> it's your kid. <laughs> I don't know why I gave that example, but here's the McConaughey example that I was coming up with earlier. I was thinking about earlier. It's the three things analogy from his Oscar speech um, that he won for Dallas Buyers Club where he lost like 80 pounds mm. and was like frail and, like embodied this guy. And he said, you got to have someone to uh, look up to. You got to have someone to look forward to, and you have to have someone to chase or, you know, to look out to. And uh, he said the look up to, and I, I heard this, it, it, he said this in, a, in an interview. I've been watching him for a long time, many years. He said this before the Oscar speech. And, and I, and I forget it was like Jimmy Kimmel or, or uh, Dave Letterman or something, but he said, you know, the person I look up to is God. The people I look forward to is my family and the person I chase is me in five years. And that set me on this course and said, I don't want to wait to retirement to enjoy my life and to actually have the things I want to have and donate to the places I want to donate and take the time off that I want to take off and not make work the number one thing that I do. I want to do it now. So I imagine what I look like. Remember the middle of probably like May or April of 2015, I wrote, I went to the office. Remember, Meredith and I went to First Watch. She reminded me of it today. We went to First Watch, which I think is gone. A little like cafe, diner. Had, had breakfast on a Sunday morning. And we were so busy in our real estate business that my then pregnant wife with our first kid, we went to the office at 11 a.m. on a Sunday and worked till 8 p.m. Only to get up and do it all over again, right? None of our employees that we were paying were there. Our stupid asses were there. And I'm saying that because that was my experience. That was so stupid. Not enjoying my life and to think that selling houses was like this end-all be-all thing for me. I cared about the clients and I cared about doing great for them. But to sacrifice my life like that was moronic in my experience of myself. And I remember standing there and I wrote on this whiteboard. And subsequently, a, a, a guy I hired a, a few months later actually took it off the whiteboard, typed it out and framed it for me. And I just wrote my big why. And my big why was basically to change the trajectory of generations. Nice. It was to, it was to make sure that my kids, you know, obviously my daughter was coming and you guys who know me, you see me on Facebook with her. She's five and a half years old. She's a mini version of me. She's got her own channel. She's got her own Smash channel. Smash that like button. Yeah. <laughs> Pick that, pick that bell, guys. <laughs> um, but like, I thought about it and I'm like, man, I'm sitting here on a Sunday and I was crying. Like, cause my wife kept, I'm facing a whiteboard. She's sitting behind me and now I'm like, you know, sniffling. She's like, are you all right? And I finally turned around and I was like, I just, I don't like this. I don't want to do this. I don't want you to be here on a Sunday afternoon grinding and doing bullshit that our admins should be doing or the people that work for us should be doing like, why aren't they here? Why aren't they making sacrifices? Why are we supposed to? And 
And the general consensus was because you're a business owner and that's what you do. You got to make sacrifices. Like if the employees don't come in to make the donuts, you make the donuts. That's what my dad used to tell me. Like no employee should ever be able to do what you can do. And you should be able to do everything they can do because if they decide to leave you or try and hold it, hold you against the wall or against the coals, you tell them get the hell out and you can do their job. And so I was crying. I was really upset. I was very emotional. And I was, I was writing this thing out. And it was a whole four by, you know, three foot whiteboard full. And I stopped and I stared and I looked at it and I was like, man, how the hell do I make this happen? And then I wrote this little thing that just says T-shirt, jeans, um, coaching, podcast, and something else, like, like permanent vacation. And then I heard the McConaughey three things speech. And I realized that that was the guy that I wanted to chase. That was my hero. The guy who doesn't give a fuck about a suit. The guy who doesn't wear socks. The guy who can make breakfast from scratch every morning for his kids. Who wears a t-shirt every single day and doesn't worry about what people think because that's him in full authenticity. And the guy who works a couple hours a day makes big ass money. Like that was what I wanted to become. And then the other day we were watching McConaughey, or not even the other day, like maybe a month ago, we were watching McConaughey's speech. And Mayor said, do you realize that you're the guy now? Like you are the hero that you imagined five and a half, almost six years ago. And I was like, shit. Oh my God, I am. He goes, she goes, look, look at, look at the sheet. Like it's written there. It's written. You wrote it. It's we just had a, we had a lighting change. Yeah. <laughs> That's um, yeah. you, you wrote it. It was, it was like, look at you. You're in t-shirt jeans. I mean, look at me in this camera. I don't have socks on. I was going to ask you, do you, wear, do you actually not no. wear any socks? I don't like socks. Ever? No. No, I interesting. We'll have another yeah. podcast about that. <laughs> you, just, you, just, you never have to deal with my shoes for a certain period of time. <laughs> um, in the wintertime here in Baltimore, I do, but in California, I never wear socks. Got it. Um, I like to walk barefoot everywhere I go. Like if I could walk yeah. barefoot in the stores and stuff, I like the feeling, I like the grounding. Dude, it's like good. It's yeah. science that says you should ground. I walk through my neighborhood. I drop my daughter off to school every morning. But here's the point. The point is, if you aren't who you want to be, not where you want to be, not what you want to have, but if you aren't who you want to be right now, then you need to cast the first vision yeah. as to who it is that you'd like to become. Then from that, it's doing what Aaron says, like what, what you imagine you'll do in five years, 10 years, 20 years. Like in my mind, I want to donate money to different causes that mean something to me. And so instead of me saying like, well, I want to donate $50,000 a piece to these, then I'll just start donating five bucks. And then it's 50 bucks and then it's 500 bucks and it's 5,000 bucks. It's all an incremental evolvement or elevation or ascension. As you grow, it grows. It's the only way it works. You grow, it grows. So start to cast that vision of the person you'd like to become, the person that you'd be happy with in uh, five years or six years from now. And then start to put the plan together to go after that guy, chase that guy or that woman, chase that person, like figure out what their mannerisms are, what they care about, what they don't care about. I had a guy, Vlad Kassim, phenomenal mentor of mine, one of the best who said to me, do you know the value of 10 minute increments? And I said, no. And he says, then how can you, next on that, then how can you um, say that you value your kids as much as you do? And I said, well, because I do, like I work from home now. I, I work two days a week at home. And he goes, big deal. You need to work every day at home. Every day is a Saturday morning for you. And I said, okay, I'm in. 
and by the way, he's backing me up against a wall in his office. So I'm like, I can't get out. Oh, he's got like a he's got a Russian accent. You're and, and I was like, fuck, man, you gotta right. say yes. And so he said to me, um, do you know the power of 10 minutes? And I said, I, I'm guessing it now I don't. And he said, just think about it. 10 minutes to the office, 10 minutes back. I did the math earlier and I forget it. It's 20 minutes a day, 100 hours a week. No, 100 minutes a week. So 10 so, minutes a day, yeah. 40 hours. That's 4,800 hours a year. Yeah. 4,800 minutes a year. All right. We'll go with it. Yeah, it's 4,800 minutes a year. What's Trust the, it. Divide that. Marty, divide 4,800 <laughs> by... 60, I think. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> Whatever. It's 4,800 <laughs> minutes. So now what I've just done is I've gotten 4,800 more minutes with this little girl. Now imagine that's times 10, right? Yeah. 48,000 minutes. That's like, that's like 100 years. No. <laughs> I just want to see your pen attention. No, it's 48,000 minutes over a lifetime. Just imagine in her first 10 years, 48,000 minutes. It's eight days. So, no, eight hours. Here's no. what I'm thinking 20 minutes a day <laughs> is 100 hours a week. Right, which is 400. Days, right? So, 400, 400 a month, 4,800 a year. 4,800 a year, which is 17,612 days. No, what the fuck are you talking about? No, but seriously. So the moment he said that, something switched in me. And I said, you know what? The guy that I'm chasing, my hero in five years, me in five years, that guy knows the value of 10 minutes. So I walked into my office, I packed the essential shit, and I left. And I never went back. No joke. That was uh, September or August of 2019. And I never went back to the office ever again. I did when that brokerage closed down because of poor leadership. Um, I did go back to get all my other shit and throw it in my shed. But from that moment on, I stopped this, this, this bad programming in my mind that I, I can't work from home. It's too distracting because I filled that negative mindset or non-serving mindset with something that was serving, which was the value of 10 minute increments. And now, now in 10 years that my daughter is on this planet, I will buy, I will buy, or, or have available 48,000 minutes more with her. And will that align with my mission? And the mission is, and by the way, the big why is my mission that I built that day. You know, in April of 2015 is when I actually built my mission statement, which we're going to be doing inside uh, the mental purpose community very soon. Very soon. Um, Aaron and I are experts at building missions. We'll help you dial it in. It's freaking awesome. So if you haven't joined the mental purpose community, hit it, hit it. And we also do this in our front runner events. These aren't plugs. These are just, we're fun. We're, we're really proud of these things that we've built and we want you to be a part of them. Hold on, hold on, hold on. This is a plug. It's a plug. It, it should be plugged. Like, you <laughs> it's not I, a shameless no, plug. It's like a, it, it is yeah. like you and I have spent our entire lives dedicated to helping others evolve and shift. And mm -hmm. we've got an event. It's happening in July, July 8th to the 11th, that there are few people that need to know that we're doing that. It's, it's, it's you met, we, we were having this conversation earlier, right? Like when you, when you make shifts, you either chisel away at this block or you dynamite it. Is that what you said? Mm -hmm. And that mission is the well block, worth sharing. The block is the, is the, is the, like the rock or the, like the diamond or the granite or wherever you will see the hard, defensive piece yep. around the soft little sensitive center that you've been protecting your whole life. Well said. And you either, well you have to get to it to get through it and yep. out of it, 
but you either can chip at it with a little rock hammer over many years, or you can come to an event like our front runner weekend involvement uh, retreat, and we will dynamite blast that shit open. Yeah. And the best part is, and unlike the reason why we created front runner was because we wanted this and we never got this from our, the yeah. events that we went to the masterminds yeah. we were a part of, but we will create a space so safe for you to be able to hit that detonation button yep. and get that thing blasted and then work through it. And not only will you work through it, but you'll have a plan and a how and coaching afterward to help you roll like continuously through it. That is really beneficial. So it is, you're and right. It, it this, is, this is, this a, is, this is a plug. This is this our work. This yeah. is our mission. And, and yeah. I want to, I want to call out something that, that Ian said that, that really resonates with me as a, a guy that doesn't have kids, but has walked in the shoes um, as like the, the, the uncle, the older brother. I, I was a soccer coach for 11 years. And so I worked with hundreds and hundreds of kids, like probably thousands of kids, honestly. And what Ian is describing about his history is a very normal experience where we, we are like, when I get there, when I retire, then I'll spend time with my kids. And, and <laughs> like 25 years old. And I do like so much. Yeah. Like it, it, it's not sensical. No. It's not, it doesn't, it isn't realityable. It doesn't <laughs> work. That means we put into reality, whatever. I'm using <laughs> the word that you made up. The, the challenge is that we could go and I probably would have done this. I would have been like, you know, I got to sacrifice for the family and we're going to get there. And when we get there, then I'll spend time with them and then I'll spend time with you and then I'll mend the relationship. And the fact is that what Ian is sharing is an example of taking the retirement plan where you go drive to your kids on a Sunday to visit them in college and instead moving that 58 minutes yeah. into her at five so that when she gets to college, she doesn't need to pay a fucking therapist yeah. to ask where the hell dad was. <laughs> and so that's good, a man. really big piece of this conversation. The retirement plan into a business plan is a very simplified way of saying, look at the future that you want and pull it into now so that your values, your attitude, your mission, your why, and the contribution that you make to the people around you isn't a distant and fading facade of who you want to be. It is a now, it is clear, it is crisp, and it is present. And yeah. without that, what are you doing, right? What are you living for, if not that? But if anybody listening is saying, yo, I don't have kids, Aaron, what, what's the point? Maybe you have a relationship and we're talking about putting an emphasis and a priority on the relationship now. Yeah. And you're saying, some of you maybe, are saying, well, I don't have a relationship either, Aaron. I don't have a relationship. I don't have kids. That's the number one thing that you need to prioritize, which is you. Yeah. You need to be prioritizing you. You need to be selfish. You need to have alone time. But that's purposeful, you know, meditation and reading and learning and, and journaling. And, and, and we go through all this stuff. We'll go through all this stuff and we break down our, our, our 10 life domains. But like, if you aren't having that conversation with you, valuing you, spending time on you, your self-care routine, your love on yourself, then you can't love anybody else. And so maybe you look there first to say like, man, I don't even know how to take 10 minutes. I don't have a, I don't have a freaking spare minute to take a piss. I take a piss at my desk or something weird, you know, like there are people like that. I was like that when I was working for my dad. 
I, I'd work to eat. I'd work all night long. The employees would go home at five. I'd work till about 2 a.m. Um, I'd take a little shower at the warehouse in the sink. I lived at the warehouse. And then I would get back up at, at like 5.30 and talk to the office we had in Hong Kong and get the shipments ready for the day. And that's the life I lived for a long time. And all I did was spend money because when I got, when I like let myself out, like I had really fast cars, I had pockets full of cash and that's how I stimulated myself. Kind of like climbing the statue and falling off. Like it's the only thing I knew. Then when that shit got taken away from me, I lost my complete identity. Now it's really weird because we are going to talk about this at a later time on the, um, uh, in, in the, in the community, but it's weird. Like that car right there formed my identity around money in a very negative fashion, mm. very negative fashion. And um, I actually have this car for anybody that doesn't know, like doesn't know me personally. My dad bought this car in 1999 uh, and I have the car still. I just got it restored and I'm driving it and I drove it to Aaron's house. And it's weird because I've been processing for the last two weeks since I got it back. Like, you know, I started driving that car when I was 16, I'm 39 years old. Like my relationship with money was formed. My identity with money was formed because of that car and what that car uh, brought me. And wow. so it's very, we'll have that conversation too, but like, yeah. it's very interesting. It's very strange that, that that part is back, but I'm a very different guy. But the number one thing that I did was I started to value me. And I said, I'm worth it. I can do this for me. There's no reason why I can't put myself first. Like the definition that society has of being selfish is not real. That's because everybody wants to just like pretend like they care about everybody else so that people will care about them. But really, you got to be selfish. You got to take care of you. And then you take care of your family. And then you take care of your kids. But like Aaron said, like, don't wait till they're 25 or getting out of college to actually spend time with them because then you got a whole new bag of issues you got to deal with. And this is yeah. not, it's not fair. So, what's one thing you can do today, listening to this podcast, listening to this recording? What's one thing that you can do today to prioritize what you would do in 20 years from now? or five years from now, or next year at this time, but incorporate it into your life today, right? Yeah, I think uh, another powerful question for you, if you're tuned in, is to to say, you know, let's, let's say, let's say I wired you $50 million. So like, for most, for most human beings, you're good, you're real good. Unless you make some really dumb decisions, you just leave it in an account, live on interest, you're good. Leave 30 in there, make dumb decisions with 20. And yeah, you're great. And still great. Yeah. So you don't have to worry about money anymore. What would you get up the next day and do? And for most people, the, the first response is is false, right? You're like, I would, uh, I don't know, man. I, uh, uh, I, I don't know, I'd party. And like, <laughs> you would run out of that. <laughs> that would only last so long before you're like empty. Yeah, yeah. And you can explore this, this thought exercise and come up with some real magic. You can say, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I've always wanted to open a school in a foreign country or go on a mission trip or, you know, um, build a shelter for, for homeless veterans. I'd, I'd build um, tiny homes for the homeless that are battered women. You know, it, it, it is all about the exploration of that concept. And if you can just for a moment, find something, find the gem in that thought exercise, you may discover 
that you are actually only a degree or two or maybe three degrees of separation from doing that today. So maybe you can't build a shelter for homeless veterans, but you can probably go volunteer at one. You can probably walk in one and say, hey, it's been a lifelong dream of mine to be engaged in a project like this and I don't really even know where to start. Is there anything I can do to help? And you would be surprised at how magnificently satisfying it is to do the thing that you said you would always do and to stop bullshitting for a reason that you can't start. And the problem that exists in entrepreneur culture that exists in non-purpose culture is that we make it so hard to begin thinking that we begin at the end. So we're like, I'm gonna build a million dollar business, not knowing that you start a million dollar business by maybe volunteering at the homeless shelter. And then yeah. you're like, oh, this is what's missing. Yeah. Okay. And now the way that you go about building your life is you've seen what's missing in the homeless shelter space. You're like, man, there's, there's just no process and systemization of how someone can get back on their feet. They, you have a great job supplying food and shelter, but you don't have a great job educating and preparing. So I'm going to build a shelter that educates and prepares along with providing the rest. And all of a sudden, your retirement plan becomes your motherfucking business plan. And that is how it starts with this is what I would do. And that thought exercise is real tough. Yeah, I think I'm going to leave it there. We're going to do more of that in the community, the Men on Purpose community on Facebook. I'm tired. <laughs> oh, last Steve up to me. Who's that last person we need to say hi to? Who's saying hi? Sal. Oh, Sal. What's up, buddy? What up, bro? Um, all right. Listeners, audience, we love you. Thanks for listening. And uh, if you need us, you know where to find us. Uh, ianloboss.com. You want to find the live events? Frontrunner.group. Frontrunner.group. Make sure you join the Mental Purpose community on Facebook. And uh, if you haven't, subscribe to the channel. We'll catch you on the next one. Later. See you guys.